0: And closing arguments took place in the third trial for convicted killer Delon Millard, and of course, it was the Crown who had uh, its first chance in closing arguments. They essentially said that Millard killed his own father to escape a legacy and a business being built for him that he didn't want, because of course he had the means and he had the motive and an opportunity to kill his seventy-one-year-old dad. And the Crown took time to highlight that uh, Millard did not like his dad's plans. For him, he he wanted to, you know, his father wanted to spend his fortune building a booming business that he could then leave for his son. Dallin, as we know, did not want that. He wanted to party like a rock star, and so the crown made it look like if his father kept spending that money, the motive would have been Millard to kill him so that the inheritance would not disappear. Now the defense pushed back, arguing there was nothing. To kill over because there was nothing left. The reality is no one knows what's left. No one has a clue what is left in the estate. That is one thing the Crown did not do was publish the dollars and cents and the bottom line of the business. Let's bring in Anne Brocklehurst. She is the author of... Dark Ambition. This is someone I covered the first trial with, and she wrote a book on, uh, really, uh, a very in-depth book on Dellen Millard and Mark Smith, and it gives you a very good idea, and certainly uh, she's followed this trial. She joins me now. And the big takeaway from you in the closings would be what?
1: I have no idea which way the judge is going to rule.
0: Really? Really. Which is interesting because judge alone is generally better. It's easier. You're not weighing on 12 people. It's one person making a decision. And I'm going to guess why you're unsure. And that would probably be because the def- uh, on Friday, the Crown, uh, which had, I think, a decent case, suffered a pretty crucial blow um, when their police expert testimony suggesting that Wayne Millard couldn't physically have killed himself. The judge, I guess, ruled inadmissible because his uh, evidence was undermined by uh, knowing too much about the evidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely that ruling didn't go in favor of the Crown, and they must have been disappointed, but I don't think it was a make-or-break ruling. I think there's still a very strong circumstantial case that suggests he killed his father.
0: Right. So what left you with the impression, then, that the judge could go either way?
1: So what happened was the Crown went first and uh, Jill Cameron, who was the lead prosecutor on this case, gave uh, very good closing arguments, I thought. It was almost like the type of closing argument you would give to a jury. She went through everything and really made her case that uh, Millard had killed his father. She anticipated the arguments of, of the defense and addressed those. The judge asked her some questions, with the, which the judge can do in a judge-alone trial, and they were c- complex legal questions relating to the nature of lies, which are impossible to explain in 20-page documents, so I right. won't attempt to do it. There and then I started to worry here rather then I started to worry and think, hmm. And then Ravine Pillay, Dylan Millard's lawyer, started out and he started out with a very legalistic um, closing address, which wouldn't have played in front of a jury but is okay in front of a judge alone. And I thought, ooh. You know, he's making some points, and some of these points I've seen addressed before, they were responsible um, for getting the Oland verdict in New Brunswick overturned. Mm -hmm. And it's again, I'm not going to attempt to describe what happened in terms of the law here, but that made me think, oh, you know, if we get into that whole Oland thing, there's a good possibility that you know, the judge might rule against Millard. And then w- when the case ended, Pelé went more into the mode of a lawyer addressing a jury and closing arguments. And he came up with some quite poetic closing yeah. lines, I thought.
0: Because the Crown had argued there was motive because he had the time, he had the means. He wanted to protect the inheritance that his he believed that his father was spending uh, creating a legacy for his son. And Dellen and wanted the money. He didn't want to do the hard work. And whereas Pelé had said, you know, what fortune. It had all been blown in bad business deals.
1: Yes, and that is one thing I did wonder about during the trial. Why didn't the Crown ever produce any financial records evidence so we knew how much money was left? And that was a question that the judge also posed to the Crown.
0: The other thing, though, Anne, is the gun. We know that Delamillard bought the gun, and we know that the DNA was on the handle of the gun, and there was no shotgun residue on the father's hand. So the the Crown does have, I think, uh, as circumstantial cases go, they still have a—they do have things going in their favor.
1: Oh, no, they do have a good, strong, circumstantial case, and there's, you know, you could definitely— Um, find him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Speaking of the gun, I I just want to tell you one rather comic thing that happened. At one point today, uh, Ravine Pillay sort of mistakenly referred to his client, Della Millard, as Mr. Firearm. And then he had to correct, I mean, Mr. Millard, and I had to sort of stop myself from laughing.
0: (laughs) And he's a pretty malic- he's a meticulous lawyer, so that's not like him to to make that kind of uh, mistake. Um, did uh, Millard have any kind of um, emotion and or reaction during today's proceedings? Because he didn't put him up, and I I wasn't sure which way Pillay would go with you know his side of the case, but he did he did not put Mister Millard on the stand.
1: No, Millard wasn't very demonstrative today, and I didn't see him uh, looking around the courtroom, making eye contact with journalists and various spectators, as he is often wont to do. He was just sort of head down looking at his laptop, occasionally consulting with uh, his lawyer. And
0: so what happens now? I mean, we know that Judge Alone, I mean, this this trial was wrapped up pretty cleanly, pretty neatly, which is the beauty of a Judge Alone trial. But how long does um, is he going to be giving this thought?
1: Well, I thought we might get a verdict in three weeks, but um, I was probably wrong. The judge said today that if all went well and she didn't get assigned to any other trials, <laughs> so best case scenario, it's possible she might have a verdict by July 19th. But if she doesn't, we'll probably be waiting until September.
0: Oh, you mean after, after the summer break? Yes, justice waits for after the summer holidays.
1: Well, everyone, yes, justice waits for everyone's summer vacations.
0: Well, I mean, this is, though, the third of three trials. And by this point, we now have the the entire story of Dylan Millard and how he traveled down such a wrong road.
1: We do. And I think that people among people who know the entire story, almost everyone believes that, He did kill his father. But Mm -hmm. of course, the judge is not supposed to have the entire story. She's just supposed to be looking at uh, this particular case.
0: Well, there's been a lot of debate as to why even have this trial, which I don't understand that debate at all. I mean, Wayne Millard was a person. And if he was in fact killed by his son, he deserves justice as well. But Um, There has been that debate uh, over whether there should have been the trial at all. Where are you on that?
1: Completely ridiculous debate. Um, You know, you don't just say, no, sorry, we can't do justice here. It costs too much. And, um, you know, I'm really also glad we had it for some pragmatic reasons. We got to see how the Toronto police really Blew this case. There yeah. were also questions about the coroner. That's important information that the public yeah. should know and wouldn't have known. And then there's the fact that, you know, in Millard's inheritance, whatever it is, and, you know, I've seen estimates that go from 2 million to 8 million, depends on the outcome of this trial, whether he gets that money. So, along with the principle that, you know, if you murder someone, you should face justice for for doing so or if you're suspected of murder um there are these other pragmatic reasons
0: yeah and it would be a real travesty if he got that money it would be a real travesty um given the story as we know it now but i, I tend to agree with you it's not tend i do in fact agree with you that it, it never even should have been a debatable matter um but again after this we'll have to wait and see what uh, what the, the next move is for mr millard because he'll likely appeal this as well
1: Oh, yes. And I just want to say, too, that I've seen some commentary on social media that the Crown was phoning it in because they didn't have a strong case. And that is absolutely not true. I mean, the Crown did everything they could with Mm -hmm. the evidence they have to prosecute this case. And I think they did a really good job. And I think we're did a really good job for the defense as well. Yeah. And and the bottom line is, like you said,
0: I mean, there are a lot of questions to be answered by the Toronto police, because I think many could argue, had they done their job from the get go and had they just delved a little deeper into Wayne Millard and Della Millard and had the coroner done its job, um, Tim Bosma, uh, Laura Babcock possibly could have been alive today. Certainly uh, there's an argument to be made for Tim Bosma.
1: Yes, and I mean, then we come back to the Laura Babcock case, and there were also questions about the police's performance in that case, where the last eight phone calls she made were to Dellen Millard, and Toronto police never interviewed Dellen Millard.
0: Yeah, I know, so, I know. It, it's crazy that they didn't. So I don't know if we'll get any kind of uh, inquest or inquiry into this. I, I happen to not think there'll be a public demand for it. There should be, though. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And we will stay tuned. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Anne Brocklehurst, my old courtmate, joining us tonight. Of course, her book Dark Ambition is still available, and you can also catch her blogging at anbrocklehurst.com if you want to get more in-depth and um, kind of get the full circle, because really now we've got the whole story of what happened with Dylan Millard. On Point, I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio.